with us. Um, summertime is a strange time. We're doing a series um, at Hope House uh, uh, called Love Never, which has become known as um, effectively Summer of Love. Uh, so this is the Summer of Love series. Do you know, when you're a church pastor, do you know the one time of year you don't enjoy? Summer. Because everybody goes on holiday. And you think, I have prepared a word. And they're all going to miss it. So when they, get, they all get back in the next few weeks, probably two-thirds of us, tell them how amazing this summer has been and how the, the Lord has moved, how there's been salvations and healings and deliverances, and it's just been the most phenomenal worship. Um, just make them think like holidays are not worth it. We need to be in the presence of God. Well, good morning. This, we're going to have a great time together because we are here and we can be in the presence of God this morning. He chooses to be with us because of meeting his name. And that's a really special thing, isn't it? Um, I'm going to do something I shouldn't do right now. I'm just going to give my little God story. Uh, and I, I received a, a message on Messenger last night saying, somebody's coming to visit church, but don't make a fuss, she'll not like it. However, um, <laughs> many years ago, uh, I was in a, at a small church, and um, I was led to the Lord and became a Christian because of a, a couple called Terry and Linda, my youth leaders. They're an amazing couple. And wherever they go, kids work and youth work appears um, because they just love people and they carry a heart for the Lord. And uh, I'm basically here because of, because of them. The really special thing is they had a daughter called Joanne. I'm not, I'll not tell her that we used to call her Flossie because that wouldn't be appropriate or fair. But she partly became a Christian because of my mum's influence on, on her. Uh, and the really special thing for me is I'm back in touch with Terry and Linda now. And the amazing thing for me is that John and Mark are visiting us today. So welcome, John and Mark. You are a delight. These guys. It probably means more to me than it does them. <laughs> but honestly, for me, it's a bit of a golden era and it's a special time. And I just love that, you know, the Lord is involved in our lives when we're small. He's involved in our lives when we're in the middle. He's involved in our lives at the end. And so I just love those patterns and completions of life because God is involved. And really, that's what all of this is about, the Lord being involved in our lives. And so I want to touch on some of that stuff this morning because we're doing our um, summer series. And, of course, the, the section of Scripture we've been looking at um, is... Oh, did that not... Oh, there we go. It's from Corinthians. And it says this, just to refer back to it, to remind you. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love... I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is. And then it goes on to the famous verses we know. So we just thought it would be good to look at these verses that we're not used to reading quite so much. The white line has appeared again. Somebody tell me why that white line appears only for me. So far, we've introduced these concepts from the verses, and we've been looking at the if section, so it's the ifs that we're looking at. If we speak in the uh, language of angels, uh, that's the, the, that kind of gift of tongues and prophecy, and we discovered that was about um, the pastoral words into people's lives. It was a positive word over people's lives. It was an upbuilding word, but it is the language of heaven, which is to love and to pastor and to build. We looked uh, at uh, the... The if words of prophecy and knowledge are about spiritual mysteries and scientific knowledge. Well, today we're going to talk about an if word, if I have faith that can move mountains. I should have probably played it on that King Cole song at that point, shouldn't I? 
Faith that can move mountains. Faith that can move mountains. Does anybody ever read that verse and feel comfortable with it? Raise your hand now. Faith that can move mountains. I need to understand this because when it comes to faith, this is kind of how my faith works. It's like the mobile phone. See, for me, it's usually a case of faith that can't. And that's where I begin measuring my faith from. What can't I do with my faith? So I start at the things that are impossible for me. And I've got to tell you, moving a mountain is very high on the agenda of things that I can't do. My faith is a bit like my mobile reception, my Wi-Fi and things. It keeps dropping out. You can proclaim faith, you can have faith. You move across the room and suddenly it's gone. You walk into a situation and the phone stops working. I just had a text message this morning from EE saying my phone will not be working between 8pm tonight and 8am in the morning while they do essential emergency work. And that's kind of how my faith feels. That occasionally it needs essential emergency repair work because it will keep dropping out and not working. Data will be lost. At the end of every month I have to pay a little bit extra to get some more data because I've used my data up. Wouldn't it be good if you could spend £7 a month and have your faith topped up? So you had full access to faith. And wouldn't that just be so cool? See, to me, mountains tend to look like that. Anybody know what that mountain is? It's Mordor and Mount Doom. So whenever it talks about moving mountains, my first thought is, wow, I can't do this. I can never do this. Every problem in my life, every big issue for me immediately becomes Mount Doom. Anybody else have that lifestyle? Okay, it's just me. Two of us, three of us, four of us, five of us, the rest are lying. I just, everything is Mount Doom. And I think I need to understand this. I need to get beyond it. I need to understand what it is that faith can move mountains. So today we're going to explore what moving mountains actually looks like, how that actually works. And by the end of it, there's just a possibility, I believe, in God that we'll be in a position where we can move mountains. Mountains in your life, things that are happening. I had a little testimony at the back chatting with Naomi. God's begun to move mountains. I'm babies. Paul is repeating a phrase that Jesus himself used when he talked about moving mountains. Let me read this to you in Matthew chapter 17, verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that very moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus has an expectation of his people that we can actually say, faith can move mountains. When I read this years ago, I just didn't understand it. And I realized I must have no faith. I must have no faith because I can't move mountains. I've tried it. But I want to get real with this now. I want to be realistic. And I want you to tell me, if when faith moves mountains, oh, I did have those verses, is this what you see? Because this is what I want it to be. I want, it, I want to be like Yoda, and I want to move things. I want to be like a magician that can go, just like that, and move things. That's what's in my mind. And I've got to be honest, on one occasion, I stood below before a pile of sand. I had four tons of sand delivered to my house. 
And I just thought, I'm messing about a bit before God. And I just thought, Lord, I haven't got faith to move mountains. But this is four tons of sand with a small wheelbarrow, a long passageway to the back of my house, and a shovel. Lord, give me faith. Because Scripture says, ask for faith. <laughs> so I was kind of messing, and I said, I concentrated my mind. <laughs> and I, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I wouldn't do it now. And I commanded the sand <laughs> to move <laughs> to the back of my house. In the name of Jesus, the sand resisted. I dug into the deepest depths of my Jedi faith soul and prayed over this sand. I declared the promises of God. <laughs> move in Jesus' name. And it didn't move. And so it resisted me. The child of God was resisted by four tons of sand. I wasn't going to do the next bit that Jesus talked about. Some things require fasting and prayer. So I wasn't going to get involved in that whole fasting game. That's just like, no. Not when the, God did not invent custard creams for me to not eat them. So I got my shovel and moved it. And that's so often what we do. We decide, I can't call on God to do it. I'll do it. I'll get my shovel out. That was a pile of sand. By the way, that's, that is actually a true story. I don't know what planet I was on. I don't know what I thought I was doing. But somehow I thought I can move four tons of sand. Where I, what am I ever going to do moving a mountain? I need to understand what the mountain is. And so, so let's have a little look at that. Because if you've ever stood at a mountain, asking a mountain to move is huge. Anybody been to Snowdon? Mount Snowdon. Huge, isn't it? Anybody been to the Alps? When you go to the Alps, you realize Snowdon's like a foothill. The Alps, Julie said to me years ago, we're going to go to the Alps, so we went to the Alps, because Julie says, I'll just do it. And when we got to the Alps, I did this thing where you look straight up. I couldn't believe how far back you have to tilt your head to look to the top of a mountain. They are breathtakingly huge, just astonishing creation. I cannot say to that mountain, move. I don't have that within me. So does that mean I don't even have a mustard seed of faith? Well, let's explore what this is actually saying. The, the word mountain, oros, in the Greek, related to, to an Hebrew word, it, it's, it's a word that means rising up. Something rises up. It rises up from a plane. It appears. It's there. It rises up before you. There's something... Imagine a plane where you belong, where you have a clear view, where you can move. A wide open space. Scripture talks about the Lord takes us into a wide open space. And then rising up in front of us, almost before you, is a mountain. It appears. That's what this is talking about. Something that actually shouldn't be there. The Hebrew word for it is the same word as doubt. So doubt rises up on our open plane. Who can relate to that concept of doubt rising up? Has anybody had that experience? You know, where your Christian life is going well, things are working, things are fitting, everybody's happy, and, and you've got provision for all that you need, and things are kind of okay. And what begins to happen in your mind? Uh, maybe it might just be me. I immediately start thinking, this is so good, something's got to go wrong now. And then doubt creeps in. Good things happen, but then doubt begins to creep in. Well, I've been blessed so far, but maybe I was lucky. Maybe it wasn't God. And ridiculous thoughts like that begin to appear. So we need to deal with this mountain of doubt. Because I'm going to tell you, church, this is what, this is what Scripture is talking about. 
I don't need to go to Snowdon and say, head out to sea. I don't need to go to Barnes and Muckstack and say, be leveled in Jesus' name. I don't need to do that, but what I do need to do is overcome the doubt that stops me walking my life with Christ, that stops me speaking into other people's lives, that stops me bringing good news into people's lives. In this situation, to stop healing or deliverance being brought into a child's life, we need to be in that place where doubt is cast aside, where we can speak at that mountain and know in Jesus' name that he is with us by faith. Jesus had just been dealing with a healing. A deliverance, a transformation of life. He wasn't moving a pile of sand. What he was saying is that nothing is impossible for you because of me. And that's massive. We need to understand it. It's a whole faith issue. So let me read to you exactly those verses again from Matthew 17. Just so you can get a a picture of what's happening. It's really in three little sections I want to look at. Jesus rebuked the demon, it says. And it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. They were obviously really embarrassed by this. Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. I'm not going to go into all the language of the Greek and the Hebrew there, but there's a lot of playing going off there with this concept of being raised and mountains moving and healing. There's a lot going off there. Faith is sandwiched between two things. The healing of a boy in total spiritual turmoil and the revelation of complete eternal spiritual turmoil at the cross of Christ. This little question is sandwiched in those two things. What's happening is Jesus is cracking the door open and saying, have faith. The biggest test is coming. You see, the powers and principalities were all over this little boy's life, but the powers and principalities were about to be all over Jesus' life at the cross. And Jesus actually in this uses their faith question as an anticipation of the cross and his death. And he's actually saying this, shh, take a look. I defeat demons. I defeat death. Powers and principalities have no hold on me. But shh. They're about to take me to the cross. But in faith, that doubt can be moved. We have victory. Actually, what we get here is a little glimpse of Jesus proclaiming to a mountain. He's about to face every power and principality at the cross. He's about to face all of our sin, all of our mess placed onto him for him to carry it so that we can be forgiven. Our enemy feels he's going to have the total victory in this place and end Jesus' life. But even in this moment, Jesus is speaking to that mountain of defeat. He's speaking that spiritual battle and he's saying this. I win. I have victory in this situation. And in a small way, in that win, that deliverance of that boy, he proclaims victory at the cross. And this is a really special thing. And he's saying to the disciples, have faith. Because if you think this little boy being healed is big, you're going to face the loss of me. And they're going to have to hold on to faith for three days until he returns in victory. So this is a huge thing. Don't doubt. Walk in faith knowing all the things I've taught you, all the things that I've said. The Lord is not finished with you yet. The Lord has begun a good work in you. He will complete it. He will complete it. That's the word of God over us. That's the word of God over your life. Jesus says, I've moved mountains. The trouble is some of us feel like we can't climb mountains. 
we grapple and we, we wrestle with mountains. So what do we do? We move in. We make the mountain our home. Mountains have long represented things. Problems to be solved. Obstacles to be overcome. Troubles to break through. Difficulties to be resolved. Mountains are problems that challenge who we are. Death is a mountain. Sickness is a mountain. Troubles are mountains. Hardships are mountains. Family crisis are mountains. Unpaid bills are mountains. Unemployment is a mountain. Addictions are mountains. I've got to show you this. The bottom line is life is a mountain. Life is just a mountain. Doubt is the biggest. Doubt is the biggest. Even when you're doing things you've done before, you know the Lord can do, doubt creeps in. We are faith people. We are always living in faith. We're always proclaiming the goodness of God over our situations. No matter what provision we've known in the past, our minds and hearts and souls are capable of doubting again. So we have to proclaim the promises of God into every situation. It's important. So, I mean, right now, for us as a church, we've got to proclaim the promises of God over this place. Wasn't it a provision of God, this building? Yeah. How, how phenomenal is that? You know, from, from, from one year, we went from, no, you can't have a mortgage, forget it, it's ridiculous, we can't afford to even pay rent on it, till we own it. Yeah. How good is God? So how excited and positive would you feel without any doubt in your heart or mind whatsoever if I told you we've just had a quote for the roof for the next door part of the building we want to refurb? How filled with confidence would you be if I told you the quote was £35,000 of which we don't have anything? You, three of us, come on, three of us are going to do this. Think on this. The Lord gave us ten times that amount. The Lord gave us ten times that amount three years ago to own this place. I believe the Lord can do it again. I have no idea how. I have no idea how. But it is a massive mountain that we can proclaim the goodness of God over. Because we want to release that building. Why do we want to release the building? So we can serve the people of this town with that building. We can open it up and bring people in and connect people with counseling services and employment stuff and health stuff. But most importantly, connect them with Jesus Christ. Because that's what we're about, the good news of Jesus. We can bring physical and temporal healing and transformation to them, but we want to bring eternal life to them. That's what we're about. So is God actually going to say, oh, I could have saved Barnes, I could have stepped in, revival could have come. If only I'd got 35,000 pounds, but I can't afford it. Is that the voice of God? No. And in your situation, in your personal life, does he look at your life and say, oh, I could do so much with Julie, I'll let you off this week. I could do so much with Julie, but Julie's too big a problem. There's too much stuff going off in her life. And I pray, and he brings that word to me. And I said, tell me about it, Lord. I'll live with her. And I'm the problem. There is nothing too big that God can't do in Julie's life. There is nothing he can't overcome. And in your circumstance, whether it be your rent to pay, whether it be your marriage circumstance, there is nothing too big. But this isn't just about finance. This isn't just about having money to do things because we're not that type of church, let's be honest. We don't do that whole abundance, prosperity kind of thing. It's not what we do. What we do do is the presence of God stuff. What we do do is the Lord working in our lives. What we do do is the Holy Spirit. What we do do is our walking well before God. What we long for is to be ambassadors for Christ in our community. So we can genuinely say, this is what the Lord has done in my life. So when somebody gives a testimony and says, I prayed for this situation and now I have this job. 
you know, I think we, I sat there when Sarah was telling me, and I spoke to her a few days earlier, and I thought, this is not a job. This is a God call. Yeah. This is a God call in a life. This is ministry. And how good is God that he provides not just employment, but ministry, where she can live out and work out who she is before God. So let's pray for Sarah, that she, she sees that door open into all that can be. But there's a voice in us of doubt that says, not for you, not with you, not you. Does anybody ever hear that voice? This is for everybody else, but not for me, not for you, not with you. We get this voice. But I, I want to tell you that there's a truth there. That faith may not always change the outer circumstances or the outside view of your life, but it will always change the inner concerns and the outside vision of your life. When you are walking in faith, your concerns shift. What matters shifts enormously. It changes completely. What matters then, it, it, you know, our life is bigger than paying this month's rent. Yeah, we want to pay it. We want to pay it well, but our life is so much bigger than that. Here's the deal. We often ask God to change the situation when he's the one who put us in that situation to help change and mold us or to be the one who can bring change into that situation. So I want to believe for Sarah in this new situation that there's a lot of change happening in that place where you're going to work. Lots of turmoil, lots of people unsure. But what we've got now is an ambassador for Christ dropped right into the middle of that. Because you won't all know the background for places you're going to work, but there's all sorts happening. Movement and changes taking place. Right in the middle of that is a daughter of Christ with a role that's been given a free role to develop things, to bring things, new things. What a blessing in God that is. Pray for her. Ask her about it. Chat her about it. Ask her about it not just this week, next week, and next, work, next year. Ask her about it in six months' time when you've got used to it. Pray for her. And there are other people in this room too. You know, the Lord takes us as ambassadors for Christ and places into our situation. Who is unemployed? Go on, don't be, don't be, if you've not got a job, right, right. Do not be ashamed of unemployment because maybe God has put you in a situation where you can stand. And the, in, the, we don't have dull cues anymore, do we? But whatever it is we have, when you're signing on, you get to be an ambassador for Christ in that situation. I know that's a bit unfair when somebody gets to be an ambassador for Christ at the hospital and the driver rolls royce. I know that kind of seems unfair. But you know what? God has put you in that situation and you can be an ambassador for Christ in that circumstance. How does an unemployed person live well? They live for Christ. And their attitude and responses and their walking in life matters more. So you are precious in God's sight. You're not demeaned or less than. You are precious in God's sight. And that's true if you are a doctor. You get to serve and you're precious in God's sight and touch people's lives. If you're working in a warehouse, it means you get to be an ambassador for Christ in that warehouse. So that warehouse isn't a mountain. It's an opportunity. When we speak into it, and that's when we begin to see the mountain move. That's when we begin to see the breakthrough. Because we begin to value who we are in Christ and the place he's put us. And you know what's really special about that then? We begin to value the people we're placed around. The people that don't know Jesus yet. They're really precious. See, if I'm saying I've got no job, I'm worthless. You know what we're saying as a Christian to all those people around us with no jobs? You've got no job, you're worthless. And here's the deal. We know that they're incredibly precious to Christ. That he gave his life for them. That there is nothing he wouldn't do for them. So we have to walk well and know that we belong to Christ. So those people we have contact with, those people we meet, those people we know, those people we walk with, they can know without doubt a mountain is moved and they are precious to God. And we live out that preciousness to them. We let them know 
They are wanted and loved and important. And I think that's it. What a great privilege that is. Bringing change is what we're designed to do. You know, we're called to be salt to savor. We're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be a city on a hill. Change and changing situations is part of our DNA. We're designed to move mountains. We're designed to sweep doubt away. That's what we're about. Anybody feel confident in that? Yay! Big cheer goes up. But you are. You are changed. You are called to be a change maker. You're called to be a DNA transforming person that touches other people's lives. And when you recognize who you are in God, in faith, take hold of who Christ has called you, which is what the disciples needed to do here. You get to bring that message into other people's lives. How amazing is that? And so that's why, for me, I, I just think it's, you know, I want, I want you to picture a slightly disturbed, tragic, sad, misfit 13-year-old. But Terry and Linda took time out for this misfit 13-year-old who was, frankly, just a depressive, melancholic whiner. And they took time to care and say, but you're precious before God. And how do you know that? Well, here's the thing. They knew God, and they, were, they knew they were precious to the Lord. And so it just, that, that just followed, therefore, that those people around them were precious to the Lord and mattered. We get that privilege. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. We get to walk in a place where we know something bigger is coming. And so we can sweep doubt to one side. We can sweep a mountain aside, not worrying about what could be or might be, but knowing for a certainty in Christ what will be, that he will return, that he will bring transformation, that he will provide, that he will step into our lives, that he knows how to give his children good gifts. That makes all the difference. It's not always what's on the outside that matters, but what's on the inside of his heart that knows the promises of God. The disciples looked on the outside and they felt they'd failed. They were embarrassed. Why can't we do that? But Jesus was looking deep at the real mountain saying, you don't need to have doubt. You don't need to have doubt. Look, I'm, de- I'm defeating our enemy. Even in this situation, I'm defeating the enemy. So I'm going to defeat our enemy at the cross and I'm going to return to life and I'm going to breathe life into you. Bottom line is the disciples' pride was hurt and they were a bit embarrassed, just like we so often are. But Jesus didn't give up on them. He wanted to release life and opportunity. And he wanted to work with them to sweep the mountain to one side. Church, this morning, I believe absolutely there are people in this room and the Lord wants to move mountains out of your situation. There are people in this room and it might be a matter of health or employment situation or just emotional damage or history or family or whatever it might be. I believe the Lord can speak into your situation and he can help you move mountains this morning. Because he wants you to live well before him. He wants you to be a great example and a great, a, a great faith walker in him. To be an ambassador for Christ. If I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And that is really the condition. Do I do it out of love? Who do I need to love? The ultimate motivation for my love is Christ. Because he loved us. So I need to love Christ. And if I'm going to become Christ-like, I need to love other people. So it's not a case of moving mountains and stepping out in faith so I look good. It is because there's a determination to love others, to bring other people into that loving relationship with Christ. And that is a massive mountain. It always freaks me out when people give statistics about people getting saved. And Paul gave a whole pile of statistics about people coming to Alpha. You see, what that does to me, it doesn't make me determined to go and invite somebody to Alpha. I'm being honest now. It makes me think, what is the point, God? 
one in five turn up or whatever it is, and 75% of those don't finish anyway. I bet all the ones I know belong to that 75%. They'll be the four out of the five that don't bother coming in the first place. They're all the people I know, Lord. But what if in faith I say that Christ has overcome? And actually, me saying to a friend or a neighbor or a colleague, hey, why don't you do Alpha? I'd love you to get to know this, this story. You know, you keep saying, what, what about this in your life, Paul? What about that, Paul? What is this about, Paul? What if you came to Alpha and you got to see exactly what we're about? You know what? The worst thing they could do is say no. If I don't ask them, here's the deal, they won't be there. If I don't ask them to come to Alpha, they won't be at Alpha. If I do ask them to come to Alpha, maybe that mountain can be moved and there could be Alpha and they could find salvation. So church, don't be afraid. Be confident in who you're called to be. Sweep that mountain of doubt to one side. See, belief in what God is doing, the vision he's given is important. Jesus himself, it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him, you, me, other Christians, for the joy set before him, that brought joy to him. He was able to enjoy the cross. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The ultimate mountain-moving act. Christ did it first, and he calls them to the same place. Defeating death in Christ is a picture of love worked out in real life. We want to be real life working out people. Who's got a neighbor here? Anybody got a neighbor? Anybody live next to anybody? Wow, some of you live like in a field by yourself. Right, the farmer owns the field. You've still got an opportunity. You all have a neighbor. You have something that needs to know God. Anybody ever here used a corner shop? Anybody ever, ever gone into a supermarket to buy groceries? Wow, some of you just use that Ocado thing, don't you? You live in a bubble. You live in a... Well, one day, I'm going to a lot of prayer, their Wi-Fi would break. And they would have to go and talk to a person. Anybody here use the... You know, this is my favorite hobby horse. Anybody here use the, um, the quick checkout where you do your own checkout and don't talk to a person? Use a robot instead. Robots don't need salvation. People on tills do. I can't witness to a robot. I can be kind to a person on a till. Have you ever done that thing? And it just does. I know I say this all the time, but I love doing it. Where you ask the person on the till, "Hi, thanks for doing this. I hope you're having a good day. When does your shift finish?" Well, let's hope you have a great time because you've got to deal with all those customers. But you know, thank you so much for doing this. Have you just try doing that? Go to Morrison's this afternoon. Just say something kind to the person on the till. Just value them for being a person. You watch them smile. Do that a few times. Look for the same person on the same till when you go back in. Try. Do you know what? So you have to queue for two minutes to get that same person next week. It's two minutes. What if you say something kind to them again? You know what? Value people. You never know what opportunity might come. You never know. And I've got to tell you, the Lord works in mysterious ways, especially in Costa and coffee shops. For me to live is Christ. Let's live Christ. Here's an interesting thought. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 tells us that faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We can ask for faith. We can ask that God gives us the ability to move that mountain of doubt. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is both a fruit and a gift. You see, when we are saved, God gives us a head start. God gives us a head start. 
He places part of the character of Christ into us. That faithfulness place. That's part of the character of Christ. Part of the fruit as we become Christ-like. It begins, he gives us a head start and says, I place me in you. This faithfulness begins, tiny part of it within you. Ask for more. Grow in this gift. Let this gift become fruitful. See, at the moment of salvation, we are transformed. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's who we are. It's who we are. I'm going to ask the band to come back up, if you would, please. Um, I've got a lot of material here, so I'm going to knock through this. It's who we are. We are new creations. We We are new creations. We're no longer darkness, but children of light. Faith is a big deal. Let me tell you what faith is according to Wikipedia. Who trusts Wikipedia? Faith is confidence or trust in a person or thing or the observance of an obligation from loyalty or fidelity to a person, promise, or engagement, or a belief not based on proof. Or it may refer to a particular system of religious belief, such as in, uh, uh, such as in faith is confidence-based on some degree of warrant. I don't even know what that means. But here's what I can tell you. Faith is alive. Faith is real. Faith grows out of relationship. It's not a technical quote on Wikipedia. Faith grows out of relationship. So when people are doing things, when people are saying things, when I'm around people, I know what they will be. I know what they will say. I know what their heart will be. How much more Christ? How much more reliable is he? How much more permanent is he in our life? How much more eternal is he? Our faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. Have Abraham-type faith. Abraham took his son up a mountain and was prepared to sacrifice him because he had faith in God he believed God he trusted God and he obeyed God and because of that faith a mountain was moved aside and God stepped in and brought life not death faith is how we can put ourselves out there in the impossible situation you can move the mountain in faith and it can happen in a grocery shop it can happen with your neighbour it can happen in your family it can happen with your work colleagues It can happen with a roof. You know what? It is just the presence of God in our lives. When we don't have faith, we cry out to God in faith. Because you know what happened when the disciples struggled? Jesus stepped in and brought life. If you're struggling, this is the promise of God. He will step in and bring life. Well, we can't move the mountain. He will step in and move mountains. So we're going to sing. We're going to bring a song of praise, song of worship. And as we're doing that, you can think about your impossible situation. The thing that's more than your ability. The thing that's above your knowledge. The thing that's beyond your experience. The thing that's wider than your education. The thing that's deeper than your finances can go. The thing that's stronger than your health. The thing that's beyond your understanding. And know this, it is simply a mountain that God can sweep aside. It is something that God can do. It's knowing things are changing and getting comfortable with it. Knowing that he hasn't done yet. So I simply want to say over this morning, faith may not always change the outer circumstances or the outside view of your life, but it will always change the inner concerns and the outside vision of your life. The Lord hasn't done yet. And he hasn't done in this place. And he hasn't done in your life. Just for a bit of fun as we, as we close this, we found in the building, looking at the, the leaky roof and the, the 
part we don't use yet next door, we found a certificate thing, a plaque on the wall from the fire officer that said this building can legally contain 1,883 people. And I got a bit silly and I put it on Facebook and it's in my office now as a proclamation of truth. But you imagine, I can't imagine where you put that many people in these, I mean I know there's a part we don't use, but hey, if the fire officer says it can, and if the nightclub owner that used to own it said it can, I'm pretty sure our God definitely can. Because he's far more influential than the fire officer. And he's certainly more influential than the, than the nightclub owner. Can you imagine a gathering of God's people in this town centre of 1,883 specifically? I don't know where they got that very specific number from, but they did. Can you imagine those people built up, filled with the Holy Spirit, energised, able to move mountains, prepared and built up for works of service and sent out into all the world, sent out into every borough of this town, sent out across this, this place. You imagine the, the, the witness and the lifting up of the name of Jesus because that's what we're about. It says in one of the Psalms, he brought you out to the deepest darkness and he broke your chains. Psalm 107. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Don't look at the mountain for help. That's where doubt lives. Lift your eyes higher to the Lord because that's where victory lives. That's where help comes from. Tomorrow morning, it's Monday. Did you all know that? It's your Monday morning mountain. I think we can believe tomorrow morning in our Monday morning mountain that he has not done yet that something good is coming, that we can overcome, that we can say to situations, say to scenarios, say to circumstances, in Jesus' name, change. In Jesus' name, move. I am walking in Christ, in faith. Who's up for that? It's a little band of us. It's not many of us this morning, but a little band of us. We can walk together in that and we can make a proclamation before the Lord that we are going to be Christ's people this week. That on Monday morning, whatever circumstance prevails, whatever comes against us, whatever people perceive, our heart and our conviction says different. Our heart and our concern is upon Christ. Our vision is not of a problem, but of Jesus. Why don't we stand together? I just want to pray for us this morning. Lord, we want to tell you that we love this town. We love this, this little funny old place called Barnsley. And we see that it's physically under reconstruction. But Lord, we want to pray for this town. We want to pray across the boroughs of this town. Uh, Lord, for all the neighborhoods, all the suburbs, every estate, every street. Lord, we want to pray that your light would come. And Lord, we understand the call. That that means that people like us that have found salvation in you. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. And Lord, that is a mountain. That is a mountain. How do we live well for Christ on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, well, in our work situations, in our life, real life situations? Lord, we want, to, we want to pray into those situations. We want to proclaim over them that we will be children of the living God. We know that we are called to be a holy nation. We know that we are called to be a royal priesthood. Lord, we want to understand all that that means. And Lord, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit so that we'll be empowered to be your witnesses in this town so that no mountain would stand and the name of Jesus would be risen. And Lord, we jokingly talk about 1,883 people that a fire officer says we can have. Lord, 
right now I just love 10% of that 1% of it will feel pretty good but Lord we know that you have a purpose in this place and we want to be totally embracing your purpose totally fulfilled in all that you're calling us to so Lord help us to walk in faith and move mountains help us to pray help us to fast help us to be your people before you help us to overcome Lord because we want you to be famous in our town we want this to be a community a place where people can come and find hope can find love can find belonging can find purpose can find new life can be new creations can find salvation can find their eternity can find family Lord would you equip us and bring unity to us and we ask it in the name of Jesus Amen let's worship the Lord together